Welcome to a new special episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is our Rogue One edition. Uh, this is Darren. So, um, this episode is actually going to be a little bit different. And it's probably going to harken back more towards, um, well, I guess the easiest way to call it would be like, this is what we would euphemistically call a dynamic duo episode. Uh, in that it's just going to be me and Danny. Now, normally with our last uh, Dynamic Duo episode, it was uh, me and Danny talking about Luke Cage. But this time, we're going to be a little bit different, as in the fact that, you know, we have personal lives and it's close to the holidays. In fact, very close to the holidays. So we're going to go ahead and record separately and then mix these together just to give our takes on Rogue One. So... I'm not sure who's going to go first, but uh, whoever does, I guess you'll probably be listening to two intros, but just bear with us because this is kind of how we want to give our uh, impressions, but also uh, give you all the information that we have. So uh, the difference being, again, it's just going to be me and Danny talking. I don't know if Stephanie or Jenna have uh, seen the movie yet or what their opinions are. We'll probably talk about that on a future episode when it's just the fa- when it's your fabulous foursome back together again but uh at this point it's just going to be uh, a dynamic duo episode and so we'll go ahead and get started now i would be remiss if i didn't talk about well i guess well today is uh december 23rd so it's actually um it's December 23rd, and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, talk about the condition or, well, what information I have as, uh, you know, a layperson uh, on the condition of Miss Carrie Fisher. Now, since we are definitely talking about a, a Star Wars movie, we cannot not talk about one of the uh, icons of that film series and um, <laughs> iconic movie role of Leia Organa and that being Carrie Fisher. So, uh, Carrie, earlier today, again, if you're just listening to this, it's the, the 23rd, uh, Carrie Fisher, uh, reportedly had a heart attack on a flight back from England to Los Angeles. Uh, she was taken to UCLA medical center where she was in critical condition. Uh, as of this point, uh, information that I have, and again, it's it's just the same information anyone else could get, is stating that she's in stable condition. And um, I'm hoping, um, hoping and praying, fingers crossed, legs crossed, um, calling upon the force to keep her safe. Now, the reason why I do that is because, you know, I, I love Carrie Fisher even as an actress, uh, even outside of uh, even outside of Star Wars. Like if you've ever seen uh, Soap Dish, like she was amazing in that. Uh, and one of my favorite performances is, is, of hers is When Harry Met Sally and also the Blues Brothers. If you've ever seen those movies like her, her performances are amazing. But she's also an incredible writer. The reason why I bring it up is because not only uh, did she write uh, novels uh, like Postcards from the Edge and uh, Wishful Drinking, which actually has uh, which like a nonfiction story that actually she, there's a uh, I think it's an HBO special you can you can see that has on it's it's hilarious and I definitely recommend it. But her uh, latest 
book, um, which has been getting a lot of press because she talks about her affair with Harrison Ford, is The Princess Diarist, which came out this year. And the reason why I'm talking about it is because I do actually have a copy in it and am reading it. And it is actually very interesting. I mean, it's uh, it's the diary she wrote during the production of uh, episode four. So these are the the musings of a of a 19 year old uh, woman as she's kind of thrust into what I'm sure she didn't know at the time was going to be this life and career changing role this iconic role that she was uh, stepping into. So I would definitely recommend picking it up. It's an interesting, it's a really good, really funny read. And I would, I would definitely recommend reading it. And again, um, my prayers and thoughts to her and her family and Godspeed, Miss Carrie, um, uh, be well. Uh, we, we need you and not for, uh, not just for more movies, but, you know, 2016's taken way too much. And uh, it's kind of, uh, I think it kind of owes this one. Anyway, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk, talk about, and separately, we're going to talk about uh, our impressions of Rogue One, the Star Wars story. And one of the things I actually really like about it is the fact that it basically just said, like, even though... Everything else says Rogue One, a Star Wars story. If you watch the movie, it basically just says Rogue One. Now, one of the things that people are uh, talking about is there's no opening crawl. Now, my opinion on it is didn't need it, didn't miss it. The saga films are absolutely fine with having an opening crawl. I think they, they need it. Overall, this is the story of uh, Skywalker's. From start to finish, all the rest of the films around there are ways to and means of expanding on the, the vast universe that George Lucas created. So they don't need a crawl. At this point, if the fact that there's nothing about it, there's nothing about the fact that you know this happens before A New Hope means you don't need a crawl. I mean, all it's going to do is give you the same information you would get if you watch... Um, a new hope. This isn't a this isn't a saga film, and I think that's one of the things that really works about it. That's why I I, I really enjoy this movie. Like I took my ten year old son to see it, and we are like Star Wars is our thing. Like I have another son and my wife, and we all go see movies together. But Star Wars is something that is uniquely about me and me and my oldest son. So we we sat down and and watched it, and it was a long weekend. We had done a whole lot, but we really needed to go see Rogue One opening weekend, and I and he were not disappointed. So I'm not going to go through the plot. I'm not going to talk too too much. I'm not going to, but there are going to be a lot of spoilers in this. So I'm just to let you know right now. So if you have not seen Rogue One. And the reason why I'm recording it now is because this is um, this is like the second weekend is going to be out, so I don't know what the uh, what the box office is going to be. But if you haven't seen Rogue One, turn this off, go see it, come back and finish listening to it. 
And the other reason I wanted to talk about it is, I mean, I don't know necessarily what uh, what's going to go on with the box office. I do know that um, it's going into that Rogue One's going into its second week, and this weekend it's going up against Assassin's Creed, uh, which I really want to see. Uh, Passengers and uh, the comedy Why Him. So there's competition, but I'll be honest with you, I don't necessarily think that. Uh, the films that come, I think Rogue One might actually stay on top, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I think at this point, with a two hundred million dollar budget, and the fact that it's already made four hundred nineteen million dollars, I think if they drop down to second place, it won't necessarily be a big deal. But uh, as a member of the Star Wars faithful, I really, really enjoy this film, and I wanted to. I wanted to be a success. I wanted to. I wanted to remain successful because if it is successful, then we get more of them. So um, I guess I'll just kind of go into. Um, if you don't, well, I mean, you should know by now what the plot of the movie is. It's the mission to steal the plans for the Death Star and get them to the get them to the rebellion. And it's uh, specifically about um, Jen Erso, whose father, Galen Erso, um, is the weapons designer. And apparently uses um, what are called kyber uh, crystals, which are the crystals that power Jedi's lightsabers to power the weapon on the Death Star. Which is, you know, an interesting plot point. But uh, it, is, it, it is really interesting once you see it. So, I mean, it, it starts off with Urso hiding his family on a planet and being discovered by uh, uh, Orson Krennic, who is really is, is, uh, a really good uh, character. I think if they're adding a new villain to the mix, I think uh, Krennic does so well. So, I guess, I guess, and again, so I don't go over the plot or go over the whole plot of the film, but there will be plot elements that I put in it. I think I'll just start with what I liked. Now, one of the first things I liked was Krennic. I liked the fact that Krennic was Krennic didn't seem like a cookie cutter villain in so much as it wasn't a question of like he absolutely believes in what he is doing. He believes that he is the hero and that is probably what some of the best villains do is their belief in the fact that they are in fact right so i actually liked krennic in this i liked uh i liked the cast a lot like i liked uh mads mickelson as galen urso like i liked the fact that he um you know he wanted peace he stood up for what he believed and even ultimately once he decided to go back to the Empire, it was for a reason. I like the fact that uh, I like the fact that they brought in Saw Guerrera from uh, from Clone Wars. Like I like the fact that they uh, that w- that expanded universe has merit, so that you can actually uh, bring in characters or take characters out, and there's actually uh, other characters from like the animated show Rebels that make appearances uh, in uh, Rogue One as well. Like you actually get Chopper, the little droid, and you get to see the ship, the ghost, 
from uh, Rebels. So if you're not watching Rebels, you may actually want to check it out because you actually get to see some of that stuff that um, some of those little Easter eggs that they have uh, planted throughout the film. And I like that too. I like the fact that they put in those those Easter eggs for fans. Now, one thing they put in there that could not be an Easter egg because it's so obvious was when they reintroduce Tarkin, Tarkin, Grand Moff Tarkin. I know that Peter Cushing has been uh, has been deceased for a while, but they got permission from his uh, estate to recreate his performance, and they did an amazing job. Just the fact that, like you, you get to to understand how Tarkin was in charge of the Death Star, especially when, and you get to see that uh, that dynamic between him and Krennic, especially when Krennic did all the work, and uh, it's looking like Tarkin's taking all the credit. So that's an interesting uh, dynamic to see, and I, um, I. W- I really like the fact that even after they uh, recruit Jen, even after the rebels recruit Jen as an adult, because she was uh, raised by pretty much raised by Saw Gerrera, uh, recruit Jen to try and find her father. I like the fact that the rebels, which we had seen in all of the movies thus far as being the heroes versus the uh, the Empire as the villains, you actually got to see that they're um, you know that they're willing to do things that wouldn't necessarily be um, morally correct in order to survive. Like they actually send uh, Cassian to kill. Um, Galen Erso, rather than extract him. So and that's an interesting that's an interesting dynamic. I mean, you can see that that um, duality in people who, for the sake of their rebellion, have committed what many would consider terrorist acts against the state. So because of that, um, there they are characters who have done things that um, people might consider to be morally questionable, but yet you still find a way to root for them. So uh, I'd like actually all of the, uh, all of the rebels, all the individual rebels that we introduce and you don't get all of their names at once because ultimately again, it's the overall story is not about them. But you do get to care about them once they're introduced. Like uh, Cassian Andor, um, you kind of want to see him soften a little bit. But it's almost it's almost more realistically that he doesn't. I mean, he does do things that ultimately make him a hero uh, in the end. But he's been hardened by what he's had to do as a rebel. And you see that. And um, you see the fact that 
that Jen Erso's almost is is the same way. Like she's been hardened by what she's had to do in her life. Like she doesn't. There isn't a whole lot of smiling and laughing and and joking around between these characters because it's really not that type of that type of movie. It's not that type of environment. Like a lot of the the comic relief actually comes from uh, K2SO, who basically steals every scene that he's in. He is absolutely one of the uh, best elements of that film. And if there were any possibility of him, you know, branching out, which unfortunately there isn't, but just his dynamic with Cassian, that could have been a film in and of itself. Just the two of them like uh, performing missions uh, on the side. That would have been great to see. So the other thing I love now, I think I already talked about uh, Tarkin. I love the fact how they brought him back, uh, his motivations. But I like um, the biggest thing that I really like about this is they made Darth Vader the bad guy. Now, I know the prequels had done a lot to try and explain how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader and make him a tragic figure. And then all, which almost kind of changes the original trilogy where you see more redemptive elements versus, uh, you know, Luke versus, you know, versus the good guys versus the bad guys. Like there's almost like Jedi is pretty much just that dynamic is almost a redemption story for Vader. But, you get to see the reason why Darth Vader is the threat that he is. I love the fact that he built his castle on Mustafar. I like the fact I love the fact that the place where he basically stopped the base the place where Anakin Skywalker died theoretically or not theoretically, I say metaphorically. The way that the place that Anakin Skywalker died metaphorically and the place where Darth Vader was reborn is the perfect location for him to have set up his castle. I think that that, that was brilliant. I don't know who came up with that idea. I don't know who wrote it in there. If somebody just had it as a random thought, but if they did, it made all of those scenes worthwhile. The fact that uh, Krennic had to go to Vader on Mustafar to uh, basically plead for his... Uh, basically plead for his position which i mean come on you're pleading with darth vader so that that's uh, that's a mistake in and of itself now i also like uh Sagarera in this film like i know you know forrest whitaker he was chewing a lot of scenery in some of those scenes like just like the ah, ah, just the way he was the way he spoke it was, you know, it could be a little bit jarring. It could take you out of it a little bit. But the character itself was was great to see on screen. Like, it's the... It's the fact that he's running his own insurgency on Jetta that even the uh, Rebellion has had to disavow. As you know, I mean, there's no... You know, their white hat, this, the whole white hat, black hat thing just doesn't apply when you're talking about when you're, when you're fighting a system that's, uh, that's, you know, that's morally, uh, corrupt. Uh, 
So not every, you can't be ultimately virtuous when you're fighting for your own freedom. You sometimes you have to compromise and do things that you didn't think you'd do. So I like how that's kind of uh, portrayed in the film. Uh, I also really like the fact that they uh, that they took the time to not necessarily in, engage every character and say, hey, you know, this is who this person is. But the fact that you got to see a lot of these people as the mercenaries that they are like, I like uh, Chirrut Imway and Baze Malbus. I liked their dynamic together. I even liked the fact that there were no Jedi in the film. And I think that was something that people were, people were kind of waiting for, you know, a lightsaber to get popped at some point. I'm glad there were no Jedi in this film. I think part of the reason why these rebels at this point are so disillusioned is because with the loss of the Jedi, the whole universe is feeling that lack of hope. You're feeling that emptiness that comes from not having, you know, people they can turn to or look to as, uh, you know, as heroic, uh, figures. So you kind of see that disillusionment in people. I even like, um, the cameo of the two guys. I can't remember their names, but the guys from, uh, a new hope who like, I, I just had their names on to my, my tongue, but it was the one who loses his hand to, uh, to Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine. So, you know, he's, he's wanted in, tw- in 12 systems, like that guy and his partner. <laughs> um, I like that. I liked a lot of the, the cameos. Um, and, and again, I really like this film a lot. Like it, the, it was the way, even the ending on, uh, on the, on basically the, uh, the Empire's uh, archive planet. Uh, just how they ended it, where you knew, you knew. I mean, uh, it's Scarif, that was the name, I'm sorry. You knew, and a lot of people were, were talking about this, a lot of people were wanting to know if there was going to be a, a sequel. And I am glad that there can't be. I'm glad that these characters sacrifice themselves for the benefit of their mission. They knew going in that they might not have, that they might not escape, but they also knew going in that it wasn't their, it, it wasn't their mission to escape. It was to transmit the plans for the Death Star and that they succeeded in doing. So that last scene, which leads Perfectly, and like literally, almost looks like like an hour before episode four begins, where you have like the uh, blockade runner escaping with Princess Leia, who has the plans, be about to be pursued by Darth Vader. That's what you wanted to see. That's how it's supposed to work is the transmissions he said like Darth Vader said it himself several transmissions were received he didn't say you got like you got these plans from somebody they got the transmissions, so they transmitted it that's what they were supposed to do that was their job it wasn't to escape off the planet 
So that I really liked. I liked the fact that they were willing to go there where you had created and made us care about these characters and you willingly let us know in the last act that no one was getting out of there alive. And even with that, you got to show that scene of just Darth Vader being a, pardon my language, badass. Like he tore through that ship tore through it that's the vader you've been waiting to see that's the vader that is that is the scourge of the galaxy that's the vader that causes fear in people and that's what i wanted to see so as far as like the things i loved about the movie the things i liked about the movie that's it and i keep saying love and like they're they're you know they're mutually there are things i love more than their things that I liked, but overall, I love the movie. So I'm going to talk about some of the things that, you know, maybe didn't necessarily work for me, but I kind of understand what they're, what they're there for. And I'll just kind of be honest, there some things I didn't necessarily like too much. And I say one of the, one of, kind of the elephant in the room is is almost something that as a fan, you shouldn't, you shouldn't dislike because, you know, we're always talking about, as fans, we're always talking about, you know, we want this person to come back and voice this character. Um, I love James Earl Jones. I love James Earl Jones's voice. I am absolutely glad he came back to voice Darth Vader. But you could tell that it was an older man trying to pull off that voice. There were some inflections and details in the voice that you could hear that it was almost like him trying to strain to get that voice out. And, you know, it didn't necessarily bother me too much, but it was something that I noted going in. And frankly, if that's the the biggest issue I had with the film, then it's still, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of the majority of other films that are out there and that have been out there for the last few years. So that was actually kind of like my, like one of the things that I noticed didn't take me out of the film, didn't bother me uh, overall, but it was something that I could tell. It is something that I could note. And the only reason why I really noticed because he told a joke and it just, it, it didn't land with me. It just didn't seem, it didn't seem like Vader to, like, especially with all the choking he did in Empire, for him to basically say to say to someone, don't choke on your ambitions. It was so heavy handed. It, it just, it, I mean, they could have cut that line out and it would have been fine. Like just, it just kind of took, that's, I think, one of the only moments that kind of took me out of the film. So I was like, oh, that was like cringeworthy. That was a dad joke right there. Um, the other thing was the obligatory shot of R2 and, um, and 3PO. Mm, I didn't necessarily need it. I mean, it's fine that they were there. I mean, they would have had to have been there before they got there. But, you know, just 
if they had gotten, if you had seen them going up the ramp to get on the ship, that would have been not only as effective, but probably more effective than just panning over and just seeing them standing there. And then the whole, goodness gracious me, if they had just kind of had, you know, them walking up, a pl- walking up the plank, getting on the ship, absolutely would have understood it. Like I, um, and then also kind of going back to, to things that I, that I liked. I liked the fact that they, uh, included, uh, basically like kind of footage from a new hope, like unused footage. Like when they brought in uh, Gold Leader and Red Leader, those were the actors from A New Hope. So the fact that they had that footage available and they were able to splice it into Rogue One and you ne- and you didn't notice, that was great. And again, those like the things that I that kind of bothered me are so like nebulous or so small and insignificant that even leaving those things in does not take away from my enjoyment of the film. Not in the slightest. So it is absolutely a film worth seeing. And I'm going to see it over and over and over again. Because that's how much an effect it had on me. As soon as I came out of that fi- out of that movie and I drove in my and I drove myself and my son home, I immediately because I'd go to work the next day. I immediately downloaded episode four to my iPad because I knew I was going to be a lull at work. I was going to be able to sit down and watch for a while. And I had to watch episode four. Now, I know a lot of people complained when the expanded universe that we had that we had had as fans for years was kind of thrown out and is no longer canon. But I think if they're replacing it with what they're doing now, it's absolutely worth it. Like they're creating such a rich, full environment with their new expanded universe that I absolutely can't wait for the other anthology movies that are going to be coming up at, that are going to be coming after this. I am absolutely on board for the uh, young Han Solo movie. Like I, I can't wait for it. Like again, this is, if this is the quality of not even the saga films of just the expanded universe, then we're going to be getting some great star Wars movies going forward. If this is the template that they go by, if they decide to tell these stories the way that they told this one, I am absolutely on board. Like there is nothing about this film I nest that if you aren't a Star Wars fan, that I would have to, you know, kind of counsel you either for or against seeing. I would absolutely tell you to go see this movie. Because again, I'm gonna see it again and I I might actually go by myself. So, um, I'm not sure how this is going to go from this point forward. I think, I don't know if I'm going to go, if uh, we decide once we splice them together, I'm going to go first or Danny's going to go first. But um, either way, I'm just going to close it out by saying, go see Rogue One. Go see it. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, Email us at superpoweredfancast at gmail.com. And let us know what you think about Rogue One. 
Um, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Rate and review this episode. Tell us in the comments what, how you felt about Rogue One, how you feel about this episode. Uh, it's Super Powered Fancast. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, at Super Powered Fan. And you can read our articles and reviews and look at trailers uh, that we put up and our thoughts on everything on our website, uh, superpoweredfancast.com, or on the Geeks Worldwide Network on the GWW.com. Until then, uh, this is Darren from the Superpowered Fancast saying, may the force be with you. Or, as uh, as they would say in the film, you know, I am I am the force, and the force is me. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll see you all next time.